Welcome to Charlotte Dunes Lagoon. And today I'm talking with another author who's also written a psychedelic novel and a love story. Violet, welcome to Charlotte Dunes Lagoon. I'm so happy to have you. I invited Violet on because she wrote this amazing book and I read it. I read the whole thing and I started reading it on an airplane. I don't know if I told you this, but I was reading it on an airplane and I was like laughing on the airplane and my daughter was with me and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, some parts are <laughs> cracking me up because all the Miami stuff are, was cracking me up. So tell us a little bit about your background. Talk a little bit about the book and like the, give people the general gist of it. And then we'll get into like some juicier topics, like how much of this is a true story and how much of this is made up. <laughs> sure, sure. So, um, so I'm Violet. I'm from Miami, Florida, and um, I am sometimes a lawyer. I but my real passion was to write a book, and um, finally, after many many years, my first book, "Walking Each Other Home." Um, it's a it's a story of a woman who attracts emotionally unavailable men. And um, so in order to open her heart, she decides to travel to Peru to drink a hallucinogenic called ayahuasca. And once she's there, she once she has her spiritual awakening, or so she thinks, in Peru, um, she decides that she will definitely find her partner. Um, so when she gets back, she meets someone, his name is Leo, um, and she falls in love. But after a a very shocking and difficult betrayal. Um, Brooke realizes she has to, she has to overcome her lifelong feelings of of inadequacy and shame to really like love herself. Which I think all those things are so relatable to pretty much every woman because we've all been through betrayal or had shame or not felt adequate enough. So it really resonated with me. I think it's, one of the most similar books I've ever read to my book, but you almost did it better. I was like, I'm Same. just going to start recommending this book no. to <laughs> um, because there's so much in your book. And so I'm just wondering like how much was inspired by events in your life and like, where did the inspiration for the story come from? Yeah. So, um, that's the pen name Violet DeLuna is because most of the story is based on my life. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't mind telling the story under my actual name, but other people that are in the story have preferred that I use a pen name. So that's why. That's always like a sensitive balance to maintain when you're doing what I call auto fiction, which is like based on a true story, mm -hmm. which so many of the best books are based on a true story like that, that it's such a difficult, like, road to walk. Um, do you, like, are the characters in the book directly equivalent to real people? Or are they, did you kind of, like, make conglomerates of people? Did you make, like, archetypes? Or how did you approach, like, your character? How did you approach, like, the whole thing? Like, I don't know, start from the beginning. Are you, like, an outliner? Like, everything. So, well, because it was a story based off of true events, I didn't really have to outline so much because I knew what was going to happen. But, um, but I started off and I just told the story the, the correct way, right? And with the names of everyone as they were. And then when I was doing my revisions, I started to change details, change story order, and then change all the characters' names and some, and I had to combine characters because it gets confusing, you know, to, to try to separate everyone out. So I, I combined characters, but the main character, um, which is based off of me is shocking. Um, is, is, you know, I didn't really change her story much. Um, but everybody else, their, their, their information is altered in a way that I don't think that they're, that you could figure out who's who, but maybe, maybe I've like gotten too far into the story at this point. So I'm not sure. I mean, but I felt, had that. Yeah. 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I was reading it and thinking, oh my gosh, are we like in the same circles? Because I feel like I know some of these people in the constellation (laughs) world. And I don't know, maybe you should, it, it was just so fascinating to me. So I think you probably just universalized real people enough that they could become like characters in anybody's life. Cause it's highly unlikely that they're the same people somebody else knows, but that's, I guess the beauty of fiction. So I have to ask, so then did you also move to Miami from somewhere else? Like your main character where you said you were born in Miami. And then how did you kind of begin your own spiritual journey? I'm assuming it's not the exact same as the woman in the book. Well, um, so yeah, I say I'm from Miami because I've lived here for so long, but I'm originally from Massachusetts. Um, but I came here for law school and I, I just loved it. It's my place. Um, but how did I begin my spiritual journey? I, I've really been on like a lifelong spiritual journey. I would say, you know, I've always been trying to, I, um, I guess find my way home, which, um, you know, I loved that Ram Dass quote, so that's why I took it for the title of the book. But um, in the book, the focus is on plant medicine and how I found my way there is is really the story. I think it's a story in the book. Now I can't even remember. But I was at, I guess, no, the story started before. I was kite surfing in Colombia. And somebody mentioned this plant that can, like, heal things. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. And then my friend um, from Columbia and she's like, Oh, I know what you're talking about. So we were at family constellations when, when the constellator brought it up and we're like, oh, okay, we're going to go on a trip. Um, and I, I really did not read about it, which is shocking for me. I don't know. I think maybe I was just being protected because I don't know what would have happened if I had read about it, <laughs> but I, I didn't read about it. And, um, and that was, um, yeah, that really changed the course of, of my journey so much because I feel like before plant medicine, and this is not for everyone, but for me, my journey was like very superficial and the plants just like forced me to go way deeper than I ever imagined I needed to go. So. As they often do. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like you had quite an adventurous life before that if you were kite surfing in Colombia and mm-hmm. are you just somebody that's always been drawn to adventure or spiritualism yeah I you know I was raised a Catholic but um but I it didn't appeal to me and my parents they made me kind of do all the Catholic steps But at the same time, like I wanted to get my Reiki certification. So my mom went with me. She wasn't into it, but she was like, all right, well, fine. And I went to school in in Boulder, Colorado. I went to undergrad. So, you know, everywhere I've been going, I find like my, my, my people, or I, I look for like how to learn about new methodologies that I hadn't known before. Um, And really it's just always been like, I've been trying to kind of like, find that thing that makes me feel like okay that makes sense like now I'm me again whatever that means um and I I guess like you know I think that I can you can find it through meditation and other means but when I when I took ayahuasca for the first time that was like that time it's like oh like at the end of the ceremony it's like wow that's that's me like I'd been looking for that all along and I couldn't find it so um, I guess, you know, that's really what it, what it's come down to. I've always been looking for that, that feeling of coming into myself. Yeah. And was that first ceremony in Columbia or was it somewhere else? It was, it was in Peru. Yeah. It was in Peru. I just wondered, cause you were saying being in Columbia at first, but in the book, the woman, the character in the book does go to Peru like several times. So right, and the and the shaman in the book Diego Palma, he's pretty well known, um, but he passed away. His all of the quotes in the book are his quotes that I got permission to use. So that's all that's true, and I I wrote about that it was true as well in the acknowledgement. So. 
That's so special. And sorry to hear of his passing. Um, I didn't personally get a chance to sit with him. So I'm glad that you're bringing it to the world in the form of a book so that people can have that chance without being able to in a way. Um, and it's hilarious that you didn't like read about it first. first. Uh, right. Just because I know a lot of people that read my work or follow me are interested themselves in doing ceremonies. Um, how many ceremonies have you done? And do you, what's your like current relationship with the, I call it grandmother ayahuasca. I don't know what you call it, but <laughs> yeah, with, yeah, with grandmother medicine. Um, I have done 10 or more ceremonies. I can't remember. I've lost count, um, but let's just say like over 10, but maybe not more than 20, somewhere around that. So, um, but I haven't done ayahuasca in four years. Um, my son is four. So yeah, I haven't done ayahuasca since he was born. Um, and not because like, you know, not for any reason other than I just haven't been called to recently. I thought I was going to go back. Um, but then it didn't work out and, you know, I had the most that those three ceremonies in the book at the end, um, the main character has the ceremony that she'd been searching for, which is like this huge spiritual awakening. And she, she sees all the things that people claim to see during a ceremony where there's, you know, connection to the universe and beautiful colors and lights and, and um, I had that. And so now it's like, oh, if I have to go back, I might have to do the work again. <laughs> so, I haven't been ready, but um, but I've done other plans since then. It's just, you know, I haven't been with grandmother recently. Do you feel like the grandmother medicine is somehow just a class of its own or like, spe- like what is your special plant? Do you feel like you have one that's, like for me, I feel like ayahuasca has a level of magic that is non that doesn't exist for me in other medicines or sacraments. But I know some people feel that relationship with San Pedro. Some people feel that relationship with um, psilocybin. Some people feel mm-hmm. that relationship with LSD. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, <laughs> or marijuana, you know, some people feel that relationship right. just with like sage or ginger. So I'm just wondering, like, do you have sure. a special plant relationship that's more significant to you than others? Well, then the one I have the most reverence for is definitely ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do just, you know, and and um, my midwife, um, oh no, my doula, she's also, a, for my son, she's also a shaman, and she was offering me ayahuasca when I was in labor, and I was like, no, that, no. <laughs> I can't do it. But a lot of women do. I I took peyote, but she was like she she said to me, you know, every time I take it, I I feel fear because you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, that's my feeling with ayahuasca as well. It's a reverence, it's a fear, um but it is the most the strongest medicine I've ever experienced. That being said, if I want to have a magical love field experience, I would say that San Pedro is, is that because it's so much more kind. My experience yeah. at least, right? It's much kinder. Even if it can be hard, it's it's a little bit gentler. I found Sage I found San Pedro to be very hard on my stomach. Not in the same way ayahuasca mm-hmm. was, but in a different way. Um, but that's good that it's gentle. For you, it's like it's a medicine that I have some experience with, but not much experience, probably compared to others. Oh my gosh, so much! I want to ask you, but <laughs> there is like a lot of work involved, and I have had those ceremonies where you just throw up all night long and you don't have any visions. I don't know if you've had that as well. I I haven't had that. Um, but I can, I'm like, um, I can't, I can remember my visions, but then I can't, like, I'm not that person that comes out of a ceremony. is like, Oh my God, I had this vision and it means this and this and this. I'm like, I had a vision and it was really strong. And now I can't tell you about it. That's usually my experience. 
it's like a hard, so. more of a hard experience instead of like a visual experience. Right. Right. Yeah. And like a lot of talking to me and getting just pulled under uncontrollably right into the, into the medicine. I remember when I had the beautiful ceremony, I could feel it coming onto my brain and it was like this beautiful white love. And at the same time, I was like fighting it because there's that moment where ayahuasca takes control and yeah, you have to let go, but I'm still working on that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, because you have had way more experiences than most lawyers, um, (laughs) do you have any thoughts on like retreats or what people should look for or tips that you have for people that want to seek out this kind of experience or like favorite places? Um, Well, definitely the, the, the place in Peru, um, Diego's wife still, hold ceremonies there and he was a lawyer actually which is interesting I think that there's a lot of lawyers that are interested in 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 ayahuasca but um but I haven't actually met them in in my work I've just met them separately in ceremony but um in terms of you know tips I one of the tricky things is that because it's not legal except for if you join a uh, you know, a religion that supports it, um, then it's hard to find, right? Like I know a beautiful group in Florida that they, that's where I did the three day retreat and they, um, they, they do have, they do do the ayahuasca in a legal way because they're part of a, a church. Um, but even so you have to be referred by a friend, right? Yeah. I don't know of any groups where you don't have to be referred in the United States. Well, I, I mean, what is the name of the Peru place or how would people find it if they were interested in going to Peru? Sure. So it's called Melissa Wasi and, um, and that's where they have the ceremony. Is that in the back of the book? I'll add that to the, to the episode. It's not. Or I'll, I'll look it up. Because that is something people are always asking me, like, where should I go for ceremony? And I'm like, you just have to seek it and find the one that seeks you. And here are some places I know of. So I'm always like asking people, like, what are good places? You know, some people go to Costa Rica. Some people go to Peru. Some people go to the church in Orlando. Um, There's lots of places in California now that are like state legal, but not federally legal. Um, and Mm -hmm. I guess Oregon now is legal. Ontario has made it legal in the province. I think Quebec has it legal in the province. So there are places. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty new though, um, or decriminalized, I guess. So I think it's, you know, hopefully one day it will be fully legal and people can responsibly and safely and like using medicine. That's definitely medicine and definitely ayahuasca and having reliable experiences, that are accessible. Um, were you, so you saw, it sounds to me like you were seeking kind of this like spiritual wholeness. Were you working to repair anything specific or or did you go like, for me, I started my ayahuasca journey after coming out of alcoholism and addiction. So were you like seeking any kind of certain results? No, I thought that I was fine. Um, so, um, like I, I have, I have, um, struggled with depression and, and other things, but, um, you know, I did the, I did family consolations and they told me you have to open your heart and what are people talking about? I'm fine. I think to become a lawyer, maybe not for everyone or to, to, to reach a certain level of of whatever some people define as success, you have to be like, maybe you have to shut, or I had to shut many things down, right? So I could just focus on, on achieving, which I'm not going to recommend, but that's what I did. And so when people would say, listen, it's your heart, feel your heart. I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about, but I'm fine. And, um, and so, no, I wasn't, I, I was seeking something that I didn't know what it was. Um, and I 
I think like, um, you know, maybe like it was so far buried, right? Like the emotional pain um, that I had of like not feeling that I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know that I didn't feel right. Um, so yes, I was looking for something, but I didn't know what it was that I was healing. And I actually have other friends like that too. It's like, we're trying, what, what are you trying to heal? I don't know. Um, and it took me, I think that that's like really what the experience was for me is learning like, oh, you have these things to healing to work on that I was just pushing away. So. When I think modern society does that to us and there is a lot of pressure for at least, you know, a certain class of people to achieve and to get well-educated and to have a career and to have kids in a career and to get married and kind of have this like perfect Instagram life, which can then right. just leave you feeling fucking empty as fuck. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Excuse my yeah. French. So I think there's a lot of people seeking to be like, what else, what else is there? Um, right. I'd love to, for you to talk also about constellations, because I think it's something that very few people even know what that is. Um, I've only, I mm-hmm. haven't actually done it myself. I've just know people that are facilitators. Um, they do an all Spanish session and I can't speak Spanish, so I haven't gone, but I, I would love for you to just mm-hmm. explain it and kind of tell like what your experience was from that also. Cause it's a, it's a big part of the book too. And a really like interesting right. part. Yeah. It's, um, so family constellations is the idea that trauma is passed on through generations and can go back seven generations. And even, so for example, like if your parents or ancestors came over as immigrants and before they, before they fled their country, they experienced some sort of trauma. That trauma is passed down through the generations in various forms. And the idea behind family constellations is that if we can heal the energy behind that trauma, then we heal not only the person um, constellating, but also the family and also the people in the room because family constellations is normally done as a group in a group setting and other people are picked to represent the family members. And many times what they're picked to represent, they are also healing in their own life. So um, I went to family constellations because, you know, somebody told me to try it out and I was like not into group therapy and like, you know, how am I going to do this? Um, But let, let me try it. And, you know, at first it's like the character in the book, I was judging everyone um, who was like crying, getting so into it. Um, you know, but that was my own thing, right? Because I wasn't feeling so like, of course I'm going to judge the people who are crying. Um, but, um, and, and the family consulator called me out on that. He's like, every, every time you are judging those people, you're rejecting something within yourself. Um, so, but the, to get to your question, I guess the interesting thing about the group setting is that, um, it's not. You know, nobody, you, you have the consolation, but then that's it. You don't talk about what it meant, um, which can be hard for analytical people. But the idea behind that is that, you know, you heal it and that's it. You can just let it be. Interesting. I kind of like that because sometimes I feel like we do dick, like if you're analytical by nature or you might intellectualize things kind of to death. I don't know if you do that. I have a tendency to. Oh, always. <laughs> um, and I think from my understanding, there's like a theatrical component. It's almost like an improv, which takes you out of your comfort zone too. Cause that can be really hard mm-hmm. for non-theater people. So you're getting like pushed out of your comfort zone on all levels. Maybe, I don't know. Well, you're supposed to do whatever you feel. So if you're on the consolation and you feel nothing, don't, you don't have to do anything. Um, but if, you know, whatever you feel you need to do, and it's interesting, like, you know, you might be like, oh, I don't feel anything. I'm not going to do anything. And then something will happen and you feel like walking, you feel like 
hugging someone, the energy just changes and then, um, and then the constellation is created. Um, so all of a sudden, maybe somebody is on the floor and people are standing around it. And then the constellator, they, they all do it differently, but the one that I've worked with the most might say, you know, oh, it looks like you may have a, a deceased family member. What happened here? Or let's look at how the two parents are facing away from each other. There was some distance there. Um, actually, my my husband, he discovered that his grandfather was not his real grandfather through a family constellation. Like the family constellator said, you know, look at how these people are aligned. That's not your grandfather. And so he went home, he called his mom and she confirmed it. (gasps) But nobody had ever told him, you know, for like 30 years. That's wild. A lot can come up. Yeah. It's really interesting. What do you think is going on there? Like. I get it's just energy. And I think that, you know, we can find energetic connections in various ways, but the magic of the facilitator holding the space and playing music and allowing people to just feel whatever they feel somehow creates some sort of magic in the room, I guess. Do you think you're channeling those ancestors or do you think you're interpreting like the energy that's held in the living person's body that's like a memory of the ancestors that's such a cool question i'm gonna go with the the second one i think it's it's the energy held in the person's body fascinating i mean i guess i could also ask that question about ayahuasca what since we didn't since i didn't what do you think's going on there right that's a good question too and I think that the, well, ayahuasca is showing you things that maybe you don't want to see, right? Or or you need to see or you will see. Um, but what is it, you know, how is it teaching you? It's an interesting question because um, there are moments where you are able to kind of have a conversation with the plant in the ceremony. And then there are moments that, well, at least for me, I'm like, is that my mind or the plant? And maybe it doesn't matter, right? Because it's just, it's all energy and we're getting something through that. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer the question with reference to ayahuasca, but I do think that as I've matured a little bit, hopefully, I have realized that it doesn't matter so much what's true and not true, but what I have gotten out of it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm always fascinated to hear people's perspectives because it seems like there's a few camps, you know, some people are like, it's an entity that's communicating with me. Some people are like, I'm tapping into this Amazonian jungle television. Some people are Mm -hmm. like, it's stimulating my brain to talk to me. (laughs) Um, And some people are like, you know, it's like an access to like an Akashic records type thing or like a universal, universal spirit world. Um, I also am like, I don't, I don't know. Like, how can you possibly know? I mean, obviously there's common things that people share, you know, there's common experiences, that people have, but then there's also people have totally different experiences. So I'm always just interested to hear like, and I guess also with San Pedro, um, which for people that don't know, San Pedro is mescaline that comes from Peruvian torch or the Wachuma cactus. Um, You want to talk about San Pedro next? What do you, I'll just, yeah, we'll just be like, what do you think that is? <laughs> well, I, I love the idea that the plants are talking to me and that the plants have magic. I mean, that's just like it. And um, it's funny because I have never done LSD because I didn't, I, I thought that it wasn't natural. And I put in my brain that it's okay to do 
plant medicine. Mm. But if it doesn't come from a plant. And then I saw the Netflix series that explained to me that LSD is actually natural and plant-based. So soon I will experience that. Um, but it, so, you know, I think that the cactus talks to you right through San, San Pedro. Um, and, you know, um, what was the question? I guess do you want to talk about San Pedro also, since it's also in the book and sure. Yeah. So I, I mean, for me, San Pedro is this, um, well, first of all, it doesn't taste as bad as ayahuasca, but it, it does kind of hurt your stomach a little bit. Like it makes you feel queasy maybe, or like weird while you're taking it. Cause it just doesn't taste very good. Um, but it is, um, for me, it's just like wonderful connection to the earth. Um, now the experiences that I've had with it haven't been that many because I, I can't find it here in Florida. So I had to go to Peru all the times that I did it. Oh, and I, I guess I did it in another country in South America as well. Um, but, um, but the first time I did San Pedro, it was, um, it was very light and I thought, wow, this is amazing. Like 10 hours of feeling connected to the earth and love. And, um, I didn't have, I don't think I had any visions. It was more just like being, you know, really feeling like, oh my gosh, this is who I am. We are all one and I'm part of the earth and the universe and everything is one. Um, another time I did it, which is in the book when I was like, I'm here to heal the betrayal. Um, then the, the female shaman just like loaded me up with San Pedro and I had no idea that it could be that strong. I guess no, and that's how experience. <laughs> no. So that was my, I was like, Oh, I guess the other time was like light. Um, I did have visions. I forgot about that. Yeah. Because I thought I was, yeah, I thought I had gone places and, but even so, I guess I did lose control, but it wasn't a much gentler way. I feel like it kind of takes you by the hand and like walks you. It didn't, it, I guess it never really showed me darkness, whereas ayahuasca showed me a lot of darkness. Maybe that's the difference. Um, and I know everyone has like different, met, different plants that will show them more difficult things and some people have a theory that that depends on your relationship with that person in your life, right? So San Pedro's grandfather, and I think Peyote is supposed to be a father, right? Um, Mush- and I children is what I know. Is mushroom is children? Children is what I've been. Oh, interesting! Taught. I didn't know that. <laughs> huh. um, I could see that, but like in Peyote. I I did that when I was pregnant um, and then while I was in labor. And it was just like, you know, it made me feel stronger. It wasn't hallucinogenic. It was more like a physical thing. Um, whereas my husband had like a horrible experience. Ooh. And it's just interesting because, you know, that's the male, the father, right? And he had a difficult father. So, and, and I was because the mother, I had a difficult mother. So, I had never put that connection when I took the plant, but when I look back, I think, you know, maybe that's what's going on. I don't know how the mushroom though would work. I mean, my kids are small. Has that been your experience? Child, also. Oh, I see. Okay. I don't know. I've never actually thought of it as being my real, the real person. Like I've never paired that like constellation idea with the plant. I just think of it Mm -hmm. as like a universal kind of universal feminine energy, universal masculine energy, universal, like, I don't know, for mushrooms, for me, are very earthbound, very, like, universal forests, universal soil, but I do hear people compare them to call them children medicine or talk about them bringing out, like, the inner child, having them more mischievous, but that's so fascinating that to think of them as, like, your real relationship with that family or familial entity and that Mm -hmm. I do think it's very under discussed the gender differences that people have on psychedelics and on plant medicine you know 
our brains really are wired differently. And I, I think everyone assumes that there's just common experiences. And I really think that, you know, women identified and women born and female people with female hormones have a different experience than maybe that sounds obvious, but I don't, I don't hear people talking about this, but I do think that there's, there's gotta be like a wildly different experience between the sexes because our brains are wired differently in many cases. Right. Exactly. Yeah. At least along a bell curve. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, with, um, with combo, for example, which is like the, the poisonous frog. I, I don't know if you know how to, you seem to know more of the scientific explanation, but I don't know if you wanted to explain what it is. I actually haven't done combo because, um, I haven't been called to do it. And then I also knew, had a friend of a friend who died doing it. Um, but Oh, wow. He did it by himself and he was irresponsible and he did a lot and he asphyxiated on his vomit. So don't do combo alone, folks. No, no, no. No, no. I, it's <laughs> the one that I have heard that you can die from for yeah. sure. So, but, um, um, so I'll leave you to talk about, I've, I've done Bufo. I've experimented with Bufo, which also okay. comes from a toad um, and is also like not my favorite medicine like the first time was really powerful the second time was good the last time I did it I was like I'm never doing this again <laughs> wow that's a whole other story <laughs> but um no like go ahead if you want to say something sure. about combo just that um I think that for that that one, which is extremely physical and can be dangerous. So, um, and I was very careful when I did it to like explain to the shaman that I'm super sensitive to medicine. Um, and so to go, maybe not to give me quite as much, um, but I got like the normal dosage, but not extra. And, um, it was, it was like not a big deal because women can handle, this was my impression and of the other women in the room too, and there were other men in the room is that for us, it was like, okay, it's just a physical pain, like whatever. Um, and for men, that was really difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas for ayahuasca, it's like a mind, it's a loss of a mind control versus physical control. And so that becomes more difficult, I think for women then, but you know, not everyone's the same, but then the, the physical body, we're very good at handling pain. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I think about it, the people, because, you know, when you go to group ceremonies, there's oftentimes one person at the ceremony that's having a far more intense or like an experience with a longer duration where everybody else is finished and that person is still so deep into their ceremony. And I, when I think about it now talking to you, I'm like, all of the people that I've seen like that have been women. And feeling like deep emotionality into that ceremony, but I'm sure it happens to men too. But it's it's interesting to for you to break it down that way between like the mental and the physical. Um, I'm curious if you've experimented with just smoking DMT. Oh, I lost your sound for a second. I think you have to plug back in. Can't hear, Can you hear me now. Yeah. Okay. No, I I didn't know you could even do that. Just curious. Um, there's lots. You know, people have lots of theories on that as well. But it's not as it's not at all the same as drinking ayahuasca. So mm-hmm. it's quite different. Um, I'm also curious because I saw that you've you know, written openly about betrayals that you faced and in your relationship. And I read like a medium article that you put out about being cheated on at like very sensitive Mm -hmm. times, which I can totally relate to because I've had that experience as well. And I wondered if you wanted to talk about that and talk about your marriage because it seems like you have a very like strong 
and like an approach to love that would be really hard for a lot of people, but is probably incredibly rewarding in the long term. Right. And I, I talk about it openly, although not to my immediate family. They, they're the ones that don't know. So, but I would, it's just that my husband is not, not comfortable. Um, but I'm trying to get him to be, because I think that the more that we can talk about betrayal, the more that it becomes a norm to be like, you know, this happened to me or I did this and this is what, what I've gotten from it, no matter where you, where you go with that, you know, that experience. Um, but so, um, yeah, when I was, when my daughter was, I don't know, one or so, um, I found out that my, my partner had been cheating on me and, um, and yeah, I have like, like I had a lot of family constellations and plant medicine friends and they were like, you can't just, um, you can't just leave, you know, you need to work through this and then you can make a decision about if you're going to be with him or not. Um, and I, you know, that's not, no, that's not okay. Like, to so many people, right? Like if someone cheats on you, you have to leave them. You have to show them that they were bad. Um, or there's the perspective that you stayed with someone who cheated on you and therefore you're weak. Um, and so I was really battling with that. And the reason, other than that I love to write, the reason that I wrote the book is that like there was one night I was on Amazon and I'm like, why can't I find a novel because I like to read novels, right? Why can't I find a novel where the woman stays with the betrayer? And I couldn't find it. And I wanted to read that story. I found some self-help books, but not like, and a lot of them are spiritual or religious based. So that was a bit of an issue just for me because I wanted it to come from somewhere else. Um, so yeah, that's why I wanted to tell my story because you know, if you, when I started to go to therapy for the betrayal, um, the therapists were like, oh, this is so normal. Many, many people stay with their betrayer. And I'm like, what? But nobody's talking about this. And I feel so ashamed that I was cheated on, right? Let's not talk about like the person who cheated on me. That actually, you know, I was angry at him or whatever, but I was embarrassed that I was that woman that men cheated on mm-hmm. and, and then to find out that like, this was a thing that like, women who had men, well, I knew about the cheating, but yeah. that women stayed with their partner and that their relationships got better. And, um, and that just seems so weird to me. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to see like, if I could overcome the betrayal Um, not because like, not because I was afraid to be alone. In fact, like I'm kind of like to be alone. (laughs) I'm a bit of an introvert. Um, but, um, and it was just, you know, like I wanted to see, did I do enough to, to, to make the partnership because I really did love my partner, um, or thought I did honestly, because what I thought he, who I thought he was who he was were different things. Mm. Um, I wanted him to be someone and he wasn't there yet. Right. Um, it, but the betrayal, you know, he was, he freaked out that he was going to lose our family. Um, and the part about me sending him to, to the dieta for 10 days and ayahuasca doing ayahuasca for 10 days. Um, it's true. Um, he was like, whatever it takes out to keep the family together. and if it hadn't happened that he felt that he was going to lose everything, he wouldn't be the partner he is today. Like it forced him to mature. It forced him to, to want to be there to realize everything that he could lose. And then on my end, like I saw how emotionally unavailable I really was and how I was so codependent. Like I was just focusing my whole life on like, Oh, if I do this, then he'll love me. Instead of like, oh, how am I going to like love myself today? How am I going to, you know, take care of myself today? Which makes you a more lovable person. Because if you're doing things so other people can love you, that's that's never works, unfortunately. 
you know, you have to really do things for yourself. So, um, yeah, that's why I wanted to tell my story um, so that maybe there's other women out there who said, you know, I'm betrayed, I'm embarrassed about it, but I, I want to see if maybe our relationship can be worked on. And if, yeah, if this hadn't happened, I don't know that we would still be together, honestly, because um, our relationship really wasn't what it is today. And now um, it's not perfect because, you know, that doesn't exist, but we have like a, a beautiful relationship and one where if there's an issue, it's like, okay, like we got to go to work on this issue. We're not going to run away because we already had like a really big issue. So we can overcome other things. So yeah. That's so powerful. And I think so few men are, I think in today's like swipe, 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 Tinder, 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 like so few people are actually working through their issues and like trying to stay together in these long-term relationships. But then when you manage to do it, it's so powerful and so enriching. And so I just like applaud you for doing that. Um, I did not work through it with my daughter's father. I just couldn't. So sometimes, and of course there's times when I'm like, oh, maybe I should have tried harder. But I think it's every woman has to make that choice. Right. Right. And I think like, you know, in my case, there was like something held me back from leaving. And other times you just know, like, no, this is it. Um, Yeah. Everyone has to make that choice. It's just a very powerful and impressive story in the book too, because you go, the character Brooke goes from being what you call a Miami woman or like a wannabe Miami woman. She's not even a Miami woman yet. She wants (laughs) to be a Miami woman, which was like, yeah, maybe we'll have to say what a Miami, what a wannabe Miami woman is. But I thought it was such, so funny, such a funny way to put it. And then she goes all the way from that, which is like the pick me girl, like pick me, pick me, pick me to like this extremely empowered woman who's like, okay, dude, you're going to go do the work now if you want to even stay with me at all. So the character really like transforms from pick me girl to goddess, (laughs) (laughs) to female energy goddess. Um, Right. So I think you captured that beautifully. Thank you. And yeah, it's just, there is a lot of, I don't know. I don't know if you want to say anything else more on that topic I mean I would be are you worried that his the family will read what you've written because I found it very quickly on the internet just by searching your name so I'm sure if they ever hear this podcast <laughs> or google you <laughs> like um, how are you navigating you mean you like you found like my real name very quickly is that what you oh no I found when I Googled your author name. I I found the mm-hmm. Medium article that you had written. Okay. I think I wrote that under my author name. If Which, not, I'm going to fix that. Yeah, oh. I just read like a little bit more like it was you. Like it read more like a personal essay than a fiction. Right, right, right. And I wanted it to. I mean, I like I have this mission to to make the conversation around betrayal um, normal. And my husband, he, you know, he's part of men's groups and whatever, and he will talk about it. Um, and very openly as well there, but then there's like this moment where it's like, Oh, but do I want, you know, Violet's family to know? And then that's where we get to the, you know, and honestly, like at this point, it's been so long that I really don't care. Um, but he does. So I respect that. And I think he's going to come around. So eventually it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard because you feel shame as the person cheated on, but you also feel shame as the cheater. You know, I've been in the other position as well. So I can't say I'm yeah. an angel. So, you know, it's an experience a lot of people have. They've also been, right. been cheated on. They've been the cheater honors. Mm -hmm. they've been the cheaters right it's a lot to navigate with family um did you ever like are you still 
monogamous or did you ever experiment with like polyamory or any other like relationship modalities? No, we're, we're monogamous. I don't think that emotionally I could handle that, but I know some people can, you know, it's just whatever works, right? Yeah. I was just curious. I think that is one other approach people take to infidelity because especially when you're in your twenties, it's like hard to be faithful to one person, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's very, it's such an interesting topic and I'm so happy that you wrote a book about it. And I'm so happy that the book also included like so much stuff I'm interested in, like all the plant medicine and the constellations and the spiritual seeking. I'm curious because you said you're an introvert. Do you, are you into like Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or any kind of like personality studies? And what is your personality? Oh my gosh. I I do. I'm like the, I'm the rare one. <laughs> INFJ. I don't know. The introverted oh, one. It's like ones. creative. Yeah. You know, I can't remember the letter combination right now, but yeah, I love all that. And I love astrology and all sorts, you know, I'm always looking for the next information thing but I do I do actually study astrology on my on my own for fun what is like what what does that entail and like what is studying like what is your practice around that like so um so the next book that I'm writing is um about using astrology to control your life i love the theme of control because that's what i i'm always trying to control things and then not control um but um so i i originally started learning astrology so that i could like figure out what time to do certain things or when to do things and what it means in my life and um and i am actually hitting publish on Amazon on the date and time that an astrologer picked for me, (laughs) but but I'm totally not into control. Um, but so right now though, what astrology means for me is, you know, I, I, I use it for fun, right? So I look at the, I look at the transits, which means like where the planets are in relation to your birth chart at that time or that day. And, um, use that to like help me understand what's going on in my life but I'm not relying on it to say, oh my gosh, this bad thing's going to happen to me or this, you know, or, oh my gosh, I have a great transit. I can just, you know, I'm going to be so successful. Not, I'm not doing that anymore, but I use it to kind of see the energies. And then I love to use it with my kids. Um, it really helped me understand them and, and, um, all the people in my life. Like once I know someone's moon sign, which is, um, the moon is like how you, handle your emotions, then you can really know a lot about a person. So I like to use it in that way. How do you tell your moon sign? I'm not into astrology at all. So I'm just learning. Okay. All right. So, so your sun sign, right. is like the sign everybody knows, right. Um, Right. And I'm a Virgo. So, um, but your moon sign, if you go like um, free birth charts, you Google it. I think like Astro lab has free birth charts. And you put in um, your birth information, it will tell you what your moon sign is. And that's where the moon was in what sign and what placement and what house um, when you were born. And so um, I am a Capricorn moon. Mm. Um, and so that's probably why, like, I really enjoy talking to you because you're a Capricorn sun. Oh. Um, but um, Capricorn moons, like, love to... So the Capricorn is the goat, right? So they like to work hard. Um, they love to work. And they like to always be doing things. Um, and versus like a Cancer moon, which is um, my daughter, they're more watery. They're more emotional. Um, it's just different. So if you know someone's moon, like you kind of know how they handle emotion. That's it. Now that you're saying this, I feel like somebody told me my moon was Aquarius, but is that even possible? Or I'm like, mm-hmm. is Aquarius rising? Or maybe that just has to do with my Capricorn. I'll have to. It could check be Aquarius. This. I'll have to check this. So and the get back rising to you. sign. <laughs> yes, get back to me. The rising sign is like 
how you appear to the world. And then the moon sign is how you deal with your emotions. Ah, fascinating. So you're intellectualizing or like putting your emotions into work with that stubborn Capricorn moon. Right. And it's also earth. And so earth, um, doesn't move through their emotions so quickly. Water is the slowest. Like if they're going to linger in the bad emotion, they might stay the longest. My son is a fire moon. So like he gets super angry, like fire, super angry, but then he's done. And he doesn't have, he doesn't hold on to it for so long. So it's helpful to know if you're like, oh, okay, that, that person is just mad like for a long time because that's who they are, but they'll get over it. Why do you think we're so connected to the stars and like, why do you think astrology even works on humans? Like, what is that about? I think that astrology and plants and all those things, you know, it's all energy and we are energy at, at our purest form. Like we're energy. And so if we are, in my opinion, if we're going about our day and not realizing our connection to all the things in our life and we're missing so much of what we are, um, I think the stars are just showing us more of those connections and helping us better understand who we are. Um, but in the end, I, I think that, you know, you create your own life. So whether you are using the stars, using the plants, or using all the things, um, as long as you're believing in yourself as an energetic being, then you're, you're able to create whatever you want. Wow. I should probably end there because that's such a powerful statement, but I can't because <laughs> I put a pen in something while you were talking earlier and I'm like, oh, if I don't circle back to this pen. I'm going to keep wondering. Okay. I think you said that you took your doula, like works with plant medicines during the pregnancy and that you mm-hmm. had some peyote, like in relation to your childbirth experience. I've never heard anybody talk about this before. I certainly have in the in the communities I've sat with, um, and I think it sounds very crazy to American ears, but in like the Colombian circles I've sat with, it's totally fine. And there's you know more of a acknowledgement that this is like safe medicine for people not peyote, but at least the ayahuasca that like, you know, you can have a little ayahuasca. If you're a kid, you can have a little ayahuasca. If you're mm-hmm. pregnant, like, you know, there's right. eight, there's eight year olds at the ceremony and there's 80 year olds at the ceremony. But I'm just wondering what that birth experience was like. Right. And my, my doula was Colombian. Um, so, and she, you know, she has her own ceremonies and they are family based. Um, so there are kids there, most of them are not drinking, but they're just, they are hanging out. And that's one of like the most, like my daughter always remembers the day that she was there. (laughs) What? Just a tiny bit for the ones that are having one is what I've seen. Yeah. So people don't get confused. We're not talking about a giant ayahuasca dose for an eight year old. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and, and I never, well, I saw in Peru an eight year old drink. I didn't hear in Florida. Um, but yeah, it's just a tiny bit and it's only if the kids are interested, there's never like a feeling that they need to do it. Um, but, but my, my daughter had a wonderful experience just being around the the magic of the ceremony and playing with the other kids. Um, so, so the birth experience, um, so I was in labor and, um, and I chose my doula because of her plan. Here, wait, wait, we lost something with that headphone. Okay. Okay. So, um, I chose my doula because of her plant medicine connection. Wait, it's, you're Um, still a little like muted compared to what you were before. (laughs) Try it again. Can't hear you at all now. Oh, maybe the universe just doesn't want us to know. <laughs> no, it's okay. You can hear me now. Yeah, right? I can hear you now. Okay. So it's, it's interesting because when I wrote about the experience in the book, the editor was like, you need to maybe tone that down a little bit because not everyone is going to understand this experience and you just don't want to 
like have them concerned about the safety issue. Um, so, so I, I chose the doula because of her plant medicine connection. Um, there, so, you know, it, like you were saying in Colombia and Brazil, in Peru too, um, it's considered normal, but the doses are different. When I was in, when I took peyote when I was pregnant, I had a lower dose. Um, and the same thing when I was in labor, uh, I was, I was given peyote. Um, and I thought that it was going to make the labor easier <laughs> and it did not. Oh Lord, I can't even imagine. <laughs> it didn't honestly, I didn't feel that it did anything. I think it was such a small dose. And but I but I remember like yelling at the doula, right? Because I was in labor, so I'm angry that I'm in so much pain and like and I was like, This isn't doing anything, like I'm not having any hallucinogens or anything. She was like, No, it's just gonna give you more energy. And I was like, Oh, like I I didn't know that's what the purpose was for, right? And I guess I didn't do ayahuasca when I was in labor. I was too scared. But I guess that it's the same thing with the ayahuasca when you're in labor. Like it's not, you don't take enough that it's going to bring you under. It's mm-hmm. to give you an energy, a better connection for the birth. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a really, um, it was, a, I mean, it was a beautiful experience. I had my, my son at home. Um, we did a whole ceremony when he was born and, um, and yeah. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. And just, yeah, that makes sense. The extra energy because peyote and even magic mushrooms have an almost meta, an almost meta, um, an almost amphetamine effect sometimes where you are like awake and present and very energized. So mm-hmm. that's so right. fascinating. I've never heard about that, but it's very interesting. I'm sure um, that's it. also interesting that your editor said that. Cause sometimes I think when the, the places that people have the biggest issue with are the places that you need to like write more about. I'm like, maybe we need an essay on this too. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so just concerned. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, and no, she was just concerned that some people would be concerned about the safety of the, yeah. the child. So, but yeah. And so it's good that you clarified the dosage. And okay, almost to wrap it up, because I'm like appreciative of mm-hmm. your time. Um, you shared a lot of great quotes throughout the book. Uh, at the beginning of the chapters, you have quotes from different spiritual thinkers. Um, I'm just wondering, maybe if you could... If, if, if whoever is listening to this right now had to read one book or one spiritual thinker, what would you recommend? What has been like the most impactful thinker or writer to you? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a hard question. Um, I love so many things. Or what's one that's um, on your mind as your that was with you as you were writing a book a lot? When I was writing the book a lot. Um, Well, I mean, it's not like so much a spiritual book, um, but some of the book is, you know, the book talks about this book a lot. And um, it was really, it was profound in my life. Although, so the name of the book is The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. And it's written to help men um, learn to really be in love. Mm. Um, And the idea behind the way of the superior man is that men are always seeking freedom. Um, But, and so they think that if they commit, they won't have freedom. But David Data says, the more you open your heart to love, love is where you find freedom. Not in not. And so I thought this was a beautiful book. Um, I loved it. Now, I will say that when men read it, they maybe read that differently. Um, but it's, it really helps you understand men. And I love it. And, it, and it's, it has a spiritual basis. And then my other, at the time of writing the book, and, you know, one of my favorite people, I love Carolyn Mace. I love her work. And 
I guess, you know, the other, my other like favorite quote or thing that she says is that, um, it talks about people, you know, they're like, Oh, why did this happen to me? Like, why did, you know, why did, why did, why was I betrayed? Like, why me? And she's like, why not you? Like, who do you, why do you think someone else and not you? And so whenever something happens to me in life, I always kind of like try to reassess, like, why not me? You know what? And, and then take it from there. Right. And create from there instead of wallowing, which I still do, but not as much. That's such a, yeah, that's a great lesson. Why not me? That's big in the recovery community too. It's always like, oh, do you think you're special? You're not special. You're just like everybody else. Like (laughs) get over yourself. So if people want to read your book or learn about your next book, which also sounds really fascinating, I hope you'll also send me a copy or like give me a review, the astrology one. But if people want to read this book, let me pull it back up. Uh, Where can they find you? Where can they find the book? Uh, How can they support you? Yeah, how can people connect? Sure. Um, So on... On next week, on the 27th, I'm hitting published on Amazon. So it'll be on Amazon and all the major, like, electronic um, outlets um, and also the soft cover as well. Um, and then I have a website, um, violetdeluna.com, and they can find me there as well. And I'm hoping eventually I will do a newsletter and that sort of thing, but I'm taking baby steps. Yes, yeah. I think you have so much to blog about. I'm like, you definitely should start a blog. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, well, this has been amazing. I'm so glad we got to chat. And uh, any thank final you. thoughts before I turn off the recording? No, I just really appreciate you having me. And I love talking to you. It's so much fun. Yes. Um, 